uh, GoFundMe page for the family of Constable Yang, who was killed in line of duty this week, has raised close to $60,000 within the first day. The Burnaby RCM officer, who was a, a Richmond resident, was killed on Tuesday at a homeless encampment. Now, the GoFundMe page does state that donations will be used towards arrangements uh, to help her family's finances. Now, Yang, who was 31, is survived by her spouse and family. Uh, She served in the Burnaby Detachment's mental health and homeless outreach team and was there, as I said, for three years uh, at this particular point. Now, it's a team that works closely with bylaw officers and employees within the city of uh, Burnaby. Now, today, an organization representing bylaw officers says communities need to provide more training and resources for city employees as they're increasingly forced to deal with people dealing with mental health and addiction challenges. Joining me now is Tina Mercier. Ms. Mercier represents the Licensed Inspectors and Bylaw Officers Association of British Columbia. Tina, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Uh, the situation uh, uh, that uh, transpired uh, earlier this week with Constable Shailen Yang, uh, a bylaw officer and a homeless individual, uh, has been in the news, and we continue to have that conversation in in regards to that incident. Um, can you speak a little a little bit to me about um, what bylaw officers uh, in throughout this province are going through and are seeing uh, in regards to dealing with the our population that is homeless and dealing with mental health and addiction issues? Yeah, you bet. So first, I just want to say on behalf of the licensed inspector and bylaw officer association of BC, we're very devastated by the loss of the RCMP member and um, Burnaby RCMP staff. We're, our sincere condolences to the family and friends and the entire RCMP family. So we truly thank all of our police partners who very routinely assist bylaw officers and other city staff um, when dealing with these types of calls for service. It's it's very disheartening, and we, we offer our support on behalf of our association. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I definitely say the, the role of bylaw officers across the province has shifted within the last few years. Um, the role is very critical. The profession can obviously involve a lot of risk, um, and many are being tasked, like you mentioned, with um, homeless encampments, rough sleepers, um, handling issues with some of the vulnerable population and, and social issues. Um, involving, you know, drugs and mental health and whatnot. So it requires a lot of specialized training and education. And um, I think the goal of our association especially is to really ensure that our bylaw officers across the province have the right education and and tools to do the job safely. So that's, you know, having trauma-informed training, mental health and addictions training, overdose prevention training. Um, And really that'll help do the job well and and safe, right? Mm -hmm. And, and, so, and, but, but is that training yeah. provided to uh, the average uh, bylaw officer? Are they all required to take that training now? So, LIBOA, like basically, um, bylaw officers across the province are unregulated. So, each municipality has and regional district has the ability to provide the own, their own types of training. So, obviously, we have like a recommended um, type of training, but it's not standardized that everyone has to receive the same training. So we're really trying to get to that point of standardizing bylaw training across the province now more than ever um, and have that 
kind of in our skill set. So really being prepared and having, you know, the right policies and procedures and if there's any defensive tools required to protect officers from like unpredictable behaviors and things like that. Now more than ever is is the time to start thinking about that if if local governments haven't already. Um but it's it's a sensitive issue right now and obviously we want to ensure that you know, and we hope that municipalities take it seriously and provide their officers with what kind of training that they need to do the job safely. Have they been slow in doing so? Have municipalities been slow in, in providing that training in your in your experience? Well, I think it's really been different for each municipality. Like some are a lot more progressive and, you know, some municipalities have um, police services or RCMP staff that respond to the more difficult calls for service um, and others it's been kind of um, forwarded on to or deferred to bylaw officers so it's kind of done differently throughout the province but a lot of bylaw officers are tasked with you know entering homeless encampments and and those kind of situations that you know are exposing them to a lot of risk and, and hazard and unfortunately. Uh, in regards to uh, needing assistance from uh, uh, an RCMP or municipal police, municipal police force, uh, police officer. Mm-hmm. Um, how often in these situations uh, is does a bylaw officer uh, require or ask for assistance from an RCMP officers to 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 join them in regards to whatever the the job may require? Yeah, it's definitely case by case. So I think you know if there's someone that's known to either have a weapon or. Um, be a, an, in an aggressive state, then the, the officer's trained to take those precautionary measures, you know, always enter um, with more than one officer, call the RCMP if there is known violence, things like that. So really getting to know um, the people in your community is definitely important, building those relationships and having that rapport so that when it is time to enforce a bylaw or to, you know, help um, get people connected to resources or services in the community, then at least they have the relationship built where they can, you know, try to do that with ever, hopefully with ever, without having to use force or anything like that or a defensive tool or anything. So the the goal is to get to compliance and sometimes that's not always the case and sometimes, you know, they are exposed to risk and injury and, and whatnot, but if it's predictable, then it's preventable. And I think that's the key message is we want to make sure that local governments are doing very thorough and methodical reviews of policies and procedures and, you know, risk and hazard assessments, working alone procedures even, mm-hmm. and that in the long term will really help mitigate some of those risks of, of injuries um, for but law you, enforcement officers. In this case, you had one RCMP officer, to my understanding, and a parks employee um, that mm-hmm. had attended that event. Uh, you're talking about, uh, you know, not just bylaw officers, obviously having somebody there as well, another coworker perhaps with them, but even uh, I would assume RCMP or law enforcement needs to have that conversation where it isn't just one officer going in alone with a, with a bylaw officer. It may require a second officer to be there for their mm-hmm, safety mm-hmm. as well. Absolutely. Uh, all it takes is one person. All it takes is one um one unpredictable event, all it takes is one weapon. And, you know, in an encampment, there's, you know, several weapons of opportunity and things like that, um, that you just never know what could come of it. So definitely being in more than one partnership and having that support in the area that 
um, you can draw upon and call upon in an, in an emergent situation. Definitely looking at forms of communication and ensuring that everyone has radio access and you know any panic systems, things like that. Um, these are all things that local governments, I'm hoping now, are really, really focusing on so that they can, you know, have their staff as as prepared as they can for these types of unfortunate situations. In regards to what's transpired, in regards to what we've talked about over the last, uh, well, three to four days now, uh, ever since uh, the incident occurred in Burnaby on Tuesday, why do you think it's taken this long for this conversation to occur? Yeah, and I'm sure, you know, from a work-safe lens too, um, you know, more and more violence in the workplace, more and more types of risk and injuries. And it's unfortunate that it would ever take a, a tragedy like this to compel a change, but sometimes um, that's what's needed. And, and not that that's the case here, but I think to make these big changes, it's really a lot of, it requires a lot of commitment around officer safety to all law enforcement officers. And the work they do is getting more difficult um, with the opioid crisis and things like that. And post-pandemic, there has been a lot of these types of challenges, but I think now more than ever, um, local governments need to push um, even at a more provincial level and, you know, use any grant funding and, you know, get any support that they can for their communities so that we can have safety as, as a focus. Have your members, bylaw officers, been injured uh, out in the field uh, when it comes to uh, asking people to leave, uh, let's say, a park or, or other um, uh, community uh, centers or places uh, just doing their job uh, and have been attacked by those with mental health and addiction issues? Yeah, I I don't have exact stats or data, but um, anecdotally, yeah, it does happen. And I think, you know, that's why we want to ensure that we have, you know, very adequate and timely training with mental health and addictions and trauma-informed training. And I think these things will prepare the bylaw officers across the province more to respond to these issues. There's um, there's there is situations where we have had to call you know the RCMP to assist us, um, especially around around weapons. And you know more people are carrying weapons, and unfortunately, you know it makes the job that much more risky. And uh, we can't we can't do it all, absolutely not. And you know there is a lot of pressure on a lot of bylaw departments across the province to be more and be more visible and help more with some of these social issues that have kind of fallen on our on our plates. Um, so training is definitely key to being most prepared in the field. Yeah, uh, and, but as you say, they've had to deal with weapons. No amount of training is going to prepare you as somebody with a knife or, or, or a gun. I'm going to assume that's what you mean by weapons. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And as unfortunate as it is, um, given the recent incident, you can't always be prepared. You don't always know what you're walking into. And like I said, it only takes one person or one one weapon and that's it. So it is very risky and difficult. And I think really just getting everyone prepared to start having those reviews of policy and procedures around safety and um, ensuring that they do have the, the tools, equipment and training to be as safe as they can out there. It's it's a unique time, I'd say. <laughs> what have your members been saying to you this week? I mean, obviously they were shocked like all of us in regards to the incident that, that, that occurred, but there must be some anger and frustration that, it, that it's gotten to this point, uh, that, that uh, it's yeah. getting the attention that it, it has probably deserved many, many 
months and certainly years prior because the the violence level has escalated, as you said. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, there's definitely some, I mean, obviously great sadness, but there's also a lot of, you know, frustration that we're being faced with with these issues and not having, you know, a, a magic bullet response here. There's no such thing. And if there is, it, we would have done it by now, I'm sure, across the board. But, you know, it's really working a lot with community partners and and really getting getting to the root of the problems, which with mental health and addictions can be very difficult to get to. And oftentimes people don't want treatment or supports and it makes makes it that much harder when they're not in a, a place to accept those kind of supports. And, you know, even if the resources are available, they may not always be willing to, to go and get that help they need. Um, so it is a bit of a vicious cycle that way, unfortunately, but, um, yeah, it's it's a challenge, and and I wish we had the solution, but um, it's it's really just getting a lot of support for these individuals so that they can get out of this this cycle that they're in. Tina, thank you so much for your time today. Really appreciate our, your your the conversation with you, and I look forward to chatting with you in the future. Thank you so much. You bet. Thanks, Jess. Take care.